John the Baptist, of course, knew who Jesus was. After all, their mothers were relatives. They would have met at many times throughout their childhood and probably gotten to know each other over those years. John the Baptist knew who Jesus was and, who he, and what his mission would be. He knew that Jesus was God. John would have known these things quite well and quite acutely. Today, though, John is surrounded by his disciples, and he sees Jesus. And he makes a very bold declaration to those who were around him. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The intent of that phrase was to draw those around him to Jesus rather than to himself and to declare to those who did not yet know Jesus, who had never seen him or understood him, that this was, in fact, the Messiah. And there is so much contained in just that one phrase, Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sin of the world. This phrase, of course, is declared to us at every Mass, and we're brought back to this scripture each and every time that we approach the altar. So let's maybe dive into that phrase a little bit. Behold. We cannot behold what we can't see. And that the beginning of this declaration, behold the Lamb of God, is an acknowledgement that God has become visible. That God has become a human being. That, that phrase, behold the Lamb of God, is not possible without the Word becoming flesh. Without the Incarnation. The Word, that second person of the Trinity who has existed from the very beginning of time, long before John the Baptist even existed, is now a human being existing in a particular time and in a particular place. Humanity can now see him with our eyes, as John is doing and as his disciples are doing. That can only happen if God is visible and if he is tangible as Jesus has done. The very first word of this phrase, behold, is first of all an acknowledgement that God has become man. But of course, what John the Baptist wants his disciples to do isn't just to see Jesus with their eyes. Which again, I think, goes back to that word, behold. Beholding something or someone is vastly different than merely seeing them. Seeing involves just the eyes. Beholding is so much deeper. It is seeing and encountering with the heart and with our very soul. Maybe another good example of a time of beholding involved Mary during the infancy narratives of Jesus. We hear that she kept all these things in her heart, all of the things that were happening all around her, all of the events and the people that visited them in the manger and that she encountered, whether it was even seeing Jesus first of all, or maybe the shepherds, the magi, meeting Simeon and Anna and the presentation in the temple. We hear that Mary kept all these things in her heart. She didn't just see what was happening around her. She was beholding these events, contemplating them in the deepest recesses of her soul. Mary beheld these things with great reverence and let those events shape who she was. It's one thing for an event to occur in front of us and for us to see it. 
It is another thing entirely to let that event permeate us on a deep level. Its fullest meaning unfolding within us and shaping who we are to be. And that is what John the Baptist wants his disciples to do in seeing Jesus. Not just to see him, but to behold him. To contemplate him. To let his vision, to let the sight of him permeate the deepest recesses of their hearts and of their lives. Because if his disciples were only to see Jesus and stay at that surface level, it would not even come close to who God truly is and what John the Baptist wanted them to obtain by encountering Jesus. Then we get to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This idea of Jesus as the Lamb of God, brothers and sisters, goes back to the book of Exodus, to that very first Passover meal, And it tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. Most of us remember that story of the first Passover. The Israelites were in Egypt and enslaved to Pharaoh. And to be freed from their slavery to sin, Moses wanted them to initiate this Passover meal, this Passover sacrifice. To take a lamb, to slaughter it in front of the entire community, and to put its blood on the doorposts of their homes. The people would then partake of the lamb. And that night, the angel of death would go house by house over Egypt. But seeing the blood of the lamb, that angel would pass over the homes of God's chosen people. The blood of the lamb saved the people of Israel from their sins. That lamb slaughtered in the evening twilight. That flesh consumed in a Passover meal. It all makes sense to us, of course. We see Jesus in this. He is the new Lamb of God, the true Lamb of God. He whose sacrifice brings about our redemption. Jesus fulfills this image of the Lamb of God in the most perfect way possible. That original Passover Lamb was, if anything, pointing to Jesus and prefiguring him. It is his sacrifice and his blood and his flesh that brings about atonement for our sins. That lamb takes on the punishment of our fallen nature. And again, John wasn't just saying who Jesus was or who Jesus is in this passage. He's also saying who Jesus will be and what he will eventually do. This might be one of the first times in the gospel, in fact, where someone implicitly predicts the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And John, knowing what that image of the Lamb was and how it would all fit and connect with Jesus. We also know, of course, brothers and sisters, that this phrase is uttered at every Mass that we attend. Right after the Lamb of God, we kneel down. The priest holds up the host and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. And you and I in that moment get to behold Jesus. Again, not just to see him, but to behold him with our heart and in our soul. It is a brief moment of Eucharistic adoration. Right in the middle of Mass. It's quite remarkable. We're all kneeling and looking up at that host. And I I dare say the moment sometimes takes us by surprise. We're all trying to kneel down and get situated. And sometimes it just happens before we even realize it. I know that was the case for me back when I sat in the pews at most of the Masses I attended. 
And I, I think the mass there should almost pause for a minute. Should almost stop in our tracks as we all look and behold the Lamb of God. As we behold the God of the universe, gazing on the God who loves us and who we are about to receive as food. And so, of course, the Eucharist is that new Lamb of God. It's the new Passover that we have in each Mass. And we are called to behold that Lamb. So it's worth asking, do we behold Him well? Even how we receive Jesus and the reverence and receiving shows whether we just see Him or whether we behold Him. If we just behold a wafer and treat it as such, you know, it doesn't even get close to who and to what and whom we are receiving. So we are called to do so frequently, of course. Every week, we can often forget whom we are beholding and receiving. Maybe this, might, this week might be an encouragement for us to attend Eucharistic adoration even more. We're so blessed to have a chapel open 24-7 here at Incarnate Word. To sp- spend time with Jesus and converse with him and let his presence change our hearts. Because in adoration, we aren't just passively seeing Jesus like an exhibit at a museum. We are spending time with the one we love. So brothers and sisters, how blessed we are to have the privilege of seeing God with our eyes and beholding him with the eyes of faith. Every day we can fix our gaze on God himself. Every day the presence of Jesus fills our lives with joy and hope. So let us today listen to the command of John the Baptist, the one who first venerated Jesus in the womb, and who today points out the Lamb of God to us, that we might see him, behold him, know him, and love him.